You're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations. All while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. This is Fearless Business, and this is Robin Waite. Welcome back to the Fearless Business Podcast. It's your host, Robin Waits, and I'm super pleased to introduce to you my guest today. It's Chris Murray. Chris is a business development specialist. He's an author and a keynote speaker and was named as one of LinkedIn's top 40 B2B sales experts to follow in not just the UK, but the whole world. So it's a real pleasure to introduce Chris Murray, who's also the managing director of Varda Cruz. Hi, Chris. Hello there, sir. Good to be here. So uh, first and foremost, obviously, um, I've done an introduction, but um, it's always fantastic for the listeners to hear in your own words, um, who is Chris and how did you kind of end up where you are today? Uh, I had a fairly classical sales background, really. I, I um, In the late 80s, early 90s, I went and worked for a, a photocopier company and uh, who at the time gave photocopier companies sales training was just, you know, world world beating best and um and from there i uh, I, I, f- I fell and i quite literally backed and in into the drinks industry and i was very lucky enough to work for uh, the likes of Merton shandon and then jim beam in chicago uh, and then as a sales director in a, a number of companies uh, and it, the, the reason that i did so well in the drinks industry is because everybody specializes in drinks in the drinks industry and doesn't specialize in sales whereas i came from a background that you know everybody had to be the best at sales and and so it was like a, in the one i you know, sorry in the world of the blind the, the one-eyed man's king it was it was it was, it was a great career uh, and from i then, can imagine we, as well in terms of like you know that to get they, there are worse things to be training in than around the sort of drinks industry i'd imagine well it's about 15 years of being a professional drunk to be fair and <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, yeah and, and it, it took me around the world. As sales sales took me around the world, I, was, I'm, I'm, I don't believe that there is a sales industry. I believe that there are industries with salespeople in it. But being in sales showed me a world that I certainly wouldn't have seen had I not chosen this um, this career. But uh, yeah, I, I, as a sales director, we, we we kept booking sales training companies and people to come in and see us. And um, I think one day we were sitting around the table and said, "What we really want." Is a is, is is a kind of sales training company that that, that that we'd like to hire. Where are they? So, as it was the my most yeah my favourite part of the business, uh, helping people become better than they were yesterday. We decided to set up Varda Cruz Training, and um, in the twelve years that that's been going on, I've written a couple of books. I write for a number of periodicals, and, and uh, I've been named in a number of. Uh, a number of lists which is which is all very flattering and uh, uh, the only person that doesn't seem to be impressed with that is my own mother and uh, <laughs> <laughs> just please ask me when, I, when I'm going to bring out my next book but the um yeah I, I, I think if uh, it, it, I thought I was quite good at the old sales thing 12 years ago but going into uh, business business consulting training we've done a bit of work for charity and when you really step out of uh, when you when you step away from the protection of brands and other businesses and do it yourself, you then really start realizing what it's like to be in sales. And I'm, I don't know, I, I was a hundredth uh, skill wise of, of, of twelve years ago as I am now. Well, fun, fundamentally, and this is uh, something which I actually um, work on a lot with my my own clients, but sales 
ultimately it's just about practice, isn't it? You need to be kind of out there pounding the streets, having as many sales conversations as you possibly can in order to kind of, and it's not even really about getting better at sales. It's actually about understanding your clients, your prospects needs and being able to um, sort of, you know, understand exactly what their concerns and pain points are, isn't it? Yeah, to nail that on actually, it's, um, because it is a numbers game, but it's a specific numbers game. And the important thing to remember is if you turn that on its head about understanding your customers' needs, it's about finding people who need what you deliver as well. Yeah. If, you, if you know who that is, then you can target them specifically. Most people who I deal with when we're talking about sales prospecting and new business development, um, the, 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 the phrase is, you know, it's just all so big, Chris, where do you start? And, um, and, and the idea that, uh, that I often mention to people is to find the people who are very much like your existing clients. And if you don't have an existing client, you draw up your perfect client avatar. Because if you know the type of people you want to work with, you should go and find more of those. Don't don't spread yourself too thinly trying to find customers who uh, who possibly don't want or don't need you. you know, go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated, and then just fill that space. Absolutely. And you set up sort of, you set up Varda Cruz in 2008. And, and I'm just curious, because for a lot of people, like sales is one of the things that scares them the most about businesses, uh, running a business. So um, this shouldn't have been hard work for you. But what, what was, would you say when you set up Varda Cruz was your biggest challenge? Um, it's, there's, a, there's a funny line that comes out of, of most people when they set up their own business or even when they when they've been in sales a while if you put me in front of the right people i can close them if you put if you if you put me in, in an office with people who need me they will buy off me i hear that all the time and i'm sure i used to say it to myself in 2008 and to anybody else that would listen but the, and and so what you've got to grasp in the 21st century is that anybody can find anything they want at the click of a button but at the click of a button, they find the commodity and the price fighting version of what they're after. And um, customer attraction in the 21st century, bringing people towards you because of the value deliver, you deliver was the thing that I really wasn't very good at in 2008. I It, it wasn't that I didn't have a level of marketing in my background. It wasn't that I, I wasn't. Uh, I didn't have a history of business-to-business sales. It's just there was a gap. And I've, I've since realized, and we've been working on this for about four years now, but we have, um, if you have a think of a three-circle Venn diagram, we have something called presentations, agreements, and cost. And, uh, and in the middle of that Venn diagram, we have growth. But if, if you can get in front of people, uh, if you can get in front of people and close them, that's brilliant. But if you can't get in front of them, then what you need to do is be able to make more presentations. Yeah. If you can get in front of them but can't close them, then you need to work on your sales skills and your agreements. And the cost element of, of it is is time, money, and effort. Because if you're a consultant or if you're, or if you're working uh, selling time, then it's not infinite. You know, I've got, uh, if you don't mind me going off on a tangent here, I've, no, I've, please I've, do. I've, I've got 40 weeks a year that I'm genuinely working hard at it. And uh, within that time, I have 100 days that I'm available to do keynotes or be in front of sales teams or deliver training. So I've got 100 days. That's, that's, that puts down 100 days left in, in, in my diary. And I've got a business to run. So if you have another 60 days when I'm actually running my business and I, I'm writing courses and I'm creating bespoke workshops for people, then that's one and a half days a week. 
I, I, I've now only got 40 days left, which is one day a week, to see clients, to find out what they need, consult them, and and and, and sell them clothes. And if, if, you, if you work your time out like that, you realize, A, the size of company you need to work with, and be the type of company you're looking for. I mean, if, if I if I went and sold one day's training to everybody I met and I closed 100%, I would only have 40 days training a year and I need 100. So, you know, I'm looking for I'm looking for uh, five companies who need 20 days each. Well, maybe, maybe yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's, it's a mixture of um, two people that helped me on this journey. Perry Marshall, who wrote 8 to 20 Sales and Marketing, and he's, he's, he's the Google AdWords guru over in Chicago. Spent quite a bit of money being, yeah. getting Perry's coaching. And, um, and then Daniel Priestley, who wrote Oversubscribed. Oh, I'm a big, big fan of Dan's. I, in fact, I was at one of his events just last Friday. It's fabulous, and it's, it's groundbreaking. But people, I mean, the... Um, the information and the teacher only makes itself available when the student's ready to hear it, you know. And, and I'm, uh, I, 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 it was it was the piece of the jigsaw puzzle uh, with regards to oversubscribed that I hadn't really nailed down for my perfect customer avatar was I needed if 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 people couldn't give me that much business, then I was actually wasting my time talking to them because I, I wasn't achieving what I wanted to achieve, and I couldn't achieve what they wanted to achieve in the long run because I'd go I'd go out of business. Absolutely. I, I tell a story in, in our prospecting workshops about, about the blue whale. The blue whale needs to eat uh, around about 2 million krill, 14,000 kilograms of krill every time it eats. If it doesn't eat that much, it doesn't have enough energy to power its mouth next time. So it, there's no small snacks for a blue whale. There's no 8,000 kilograms of krill on the way to the feeding waters. It's, it's 16,000 kilograms of krill. It's 2 million krill because if it eats less than that, when it comes to feed again, it, and the blue whale's half mouth, you know, it, it, and so all those huge muscles and, and, and the jawline, it doesn't have the power to open its mouth. It sinks to the bottom, it starves to death, and it dies. And my first rule of sales prospecting and business development is you only open your mouth to the opportunities that will feed you. Yeah, makes makes perfect sense. And I mean, you've you've worked with some really prestigious brands. I'm just having a quick look at, at sort of you know what Varda Cruz has been up to. But Expedia, the NHS, Mamas and Papas, the NEC Group, the RAC. I mean, it, the list goes on. I mean, it's it's um, an amazing list of of credentials which you've got there, and fantastic companies that you've worked with. And uh, I guess a lot of um, maybe some of our listeners will be wondering, you know, what. What did you do in order to open the door up to big brands like that in terms of how do you, what would you say if you could sort of give one or two tips maybe on sort of finding those, those more blue chip clients, what, what would it be? Uh, the blue chip clients, just like uh, the SMEs and, um, uh, and, and, and single owner companies, you know, the, 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 everybody in, a, in a, a genuine position of power wakes up at three o'clock in the morning at one time in the business career sweating about something you know and it's uh it's, it's what i like to call the, the bleeding neck you, you're looking for the people with the bleeding neck you're looking for people with the real problem because if they've got a bleeding neck they'll probably buy your bandage and there's a there's a great story that perry marshall tells about a guy that goes to play poker in chicago uh, chicago he doesn't go to chicago he goes, perry marshall lives in chicago the guy goes to play poker in las vegas and um he gets off the bus and he's taken under the wing of, a, of, of an old hand who's been playing poker professionally all, all his adult life. And the first thing the guy says, we're not going to play poker on strip. There's no money to be made on strip. They go off strip. They find a small bar. The lights are low. It smells of tobacco and, and, and bourbon. There's blues playing. And as they're taking off the coat, 
the older guy uh, has a shotgun under his coat, and the, the young guy sees this, and and and, and as the, the old guy's taking off his coat, he uh, he charges the shotgun. In America, they, they call it racking the shotgun. It's when it makes the noise of like that. Yeah. So he racks the shotgun, and when he does that, it makes that sound. Five people in the bar playing cards stop playing cards and look over their shoulder to see what the noise was. And the old guy says, those five people that just turned their heads, don't play poker with them because they know what a shotgun sounds like. They're dangerous. <laughs> leave, them <laughs> alone, leave them well alone, okay? And the idea of, of finding customers and customer attraction in the 21st century is every piece of, every article you write, every piece of marketing you put out, every email you send, it has to wrap the shotgun to see if someone is going to turn their head with the thing you do. It's not about selling to them. It's, it's not It's not about flogging your wares and poking them in the eye and, and you know linking up with them on LinkedIn and then saying, hey, do you want to buy this off me? It's, it's about sending a message through that would help them solve the problem if they have the problem. And if they start, if they, if, if you wrap the shotgun with saying, here's a solution for you, and they go, thank you, I've been looking for that for ages, then they're probably a customer. If they That's don't, it. they don't. Yeah. And, and you're, you mentioned about the bleeding net. This is something which I talk a lot uh, talk about an awful lot because um, it's it's talking about those four different stages of the the buying journey, um, mm. which I'm sure you'll be aware of. There might there's various different sort of um, uh, sort of people who paraphrase this, but where you get the, uh, the 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 first stage one where they're not problem aware, then you get the people who are problem aware, i bleeding neck but they don't know what the solution is then they become solution aware and then finally they become you know Varda Cruz or fearless business aware um and and actually I think in this day and age the internet has made it too easy for people to migrate straight they expect everybody to be at stage four that they've got all of this information and that, that and they're, they're out there going well, why aren't people buying my stuff and I I highlighted this I did a talk um about 10 days ago at, at local show showcase exhibition and um I said to them, I, I just want to demonstrate the perfect customer journey. So I got, I, I got them to get out their phones. It's like four, four steps. And I op, open up your phones, go to amazon.co.uk, type in Robin Waite, and then go and buy one of my books. And you think the billions of dollars that Amazon has spent on building out that platform and the fact that everybody has these mobile phones at their fingertips. And I said, when you've done, when you've done that, when you bought a book, just stand up. And only about a third of the audience actually stood up. And despite the fact that we've got this, you know, billions of dollars that's been spent by Amazon, we've got the, the marketplaces at our fingertips and our mobile phones, and basically the perfect customer journey, because I gave them four very simple steps to follow, that only a third of people could actually buy. Um, and I think this, this kind of dissonance is rife, but it seems to be... Uh, it's 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 where that appears in people's sort of customer journey and i think a lot of people get to sales and you mentioned oh if you put put enough put me in a room with enough people i'll be able to sell something it seems that everybody's making this they've kind of got it all wrong and actually they're forgetting about delivering value up front without without a doubt absolutely and it's it's just honestly i i I can i can find everything i want at the click of a mouse i I do not need salespeople. prospecting sales prospecting is professional interruption because i'm busy already if you call me if you email me if you even if you send me a letter i had to stop what i was doing and i have a full to-do list for you to then try and take my money off me yeah and there's the problem. And, and so the first thing we do in our workshops is change the word selling for helping. Nice. Yeah, I, I, it's just, apart from anything, the demeanor and, 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 the, and the, the way that people present themselves when they go in to help people is different than when they go in to sell at them. Yeah. In the 21st century, nobody likes to be sold at anymore. 
And so and here's another thing. If you are looking for customers, they're really tough to find. If you go trying to find people who need your help, most of them will let you. Yeah. You know, it's, and it, but it starts with that mindset. And it's, it's, I just take it for granted now, but I'm sure I struggle with this right at the beginning. But most people don't really know how they help people. Oh, that's it. Articulating their value. That's basically what it comes down to. Sorry, Zig Ziglar said sales is a transference of feeling. But it's one thing knowing how you help and what your value is. And it's another thing feeling like you're going to help people. If if you woke up with the... the, uh, with a cure for horrible disease, you know, you, you wouldn't wait a week before you told somebody. If you, if you found out you, you were not on the lottery, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't hang back from it. But if, if, if you had the cure for a disease, you'd go out and you save people. What you sell saves people. It helps people. It changes lives. So, you know, don't, don't, don't spend another hour in bed. Go and save them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It reminds me actually, I had a, um, a session with one of my mentors, a guy called it worked, Dan Priestley's dad, actually, Andrew Priestley. Yeah. Um, so I had, at my last session with him, he, he used this great or told me this great story. He said, it's a bit like, imagine you're stuck on the side of the motorway and your car's broken down. It's chucking down with rain. And after about an hour and a half, the AA guy pulls up behind you. Um, there are other uh, roadside assistance services, <laughs> by the way, but uh, we'll stick with the AA for now. So the AA guy pulls up behind you and rather and kind of you know walk around to the front of your car and pop your pops your hood open he takes you to the back of his van and starts showing you all of his tools and talking about how good his brand new van is and his sparks tools like spanner set is and all this sort of stuff mm-hmm. and i actually think that 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 when when andrew explained that to me and i was kind of thinking about um my my journey over the last 20 years in business and a lot of my clients i was like yeah do you know what do you know how many people turn up to networking meetings or business events or things like that and then they just go straight to the back of their their little van and start <laughs> talking about all of the tools that they've got these wonderful tools yeah and they don't bother trying to you know just dive in and start offering like adding value let's go let's open the hood up let's diagnose what the problem is with the engine and start fixing it because what's what the guy who's the guy's car's broken down what do you think the one thing that he's thinking is so it's how i'm gonna get home yeah how, not, <laughs> not just how am i gonna get home but how quickly am i gonna get home <laughs> how quickly are you gonna fix this car so we're not even we're not even really selling a solution here we're selling a solution quicker than anybody else can deliver it absolutely and you know because I'm, I'm, I'm the least handy guy you'll ever meet. I'm, I'm, I'm the man that, that built the wardrobe outside the bedroom and then couldn't get it into the bedroom. <laughs> don't worry, we've all been there. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not allowed to do that anymore. But I, I don't do engines and I don't, I don't do building stuff. And uh, if, 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 if somewhere that I'm going shopping doesn't have a deli attached, it's probably not for me. But the, um, the, 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 the idea of, of somebody turning up, that's a great analogy, by the way. So the idea of somebody turning up uh, and, and then talking to me, even about the engine, I don't want to know about what they've got in the back of their van. I don't even want to know what's in the front of my car. I just I've been here a while I've been I've been waiting longer than I thought I would if I, I didn't think I was gonna have to stop at the side of the road can you just crack on and let me go home you know I just yeah. I've no interest in how you do this I just want I just want the bleeding neck to be, go away that's, that's all there is to it 100% um, yeah so I, I'm I'm curious so obviously you set up Vada Cruise in 2008 and you've worked with some amazing brands there and you've already given us quite a big sort of a, a, an insight and some helpful tips around sort of the sales side of things so you, you're obviously um, so before you set up that company had you had you run a company before or were you kind of employed up to that point with the the drinks businesses that you were helping out uh, I was employed to run a company um, but I, but, but I, uh, I it, it was my first venture in, in, into being self-employed yes okay and what, what was the was there a moment that you can kind of go back to and that you would say was a defining moment between 
paid employment and setting up your own company. What was the driver behind that? Um, I guess it was, um, I, I was following a number of, of, of I, I had a mentor myself then, and, uh, and he put me in, in front of a bit of Jim Rohn, and I'd already, I'd already touched base with Stephen Covey and Zig Ziglar, but um, Jim Rohn talks about that moment of change when you get to disgust, where it's just, you, you, you know that you've got to do it. And, and then an, another coach turned around to me and said, you've got that rocking chair moment, Chris, when you're just going to sit here and think to yourself, um, if I'm on a rocking chair when I'm retired, am I going to, am I going to regret carrying on doing this? Or am I going to really regret starting doing something else? And um, and I knew that I'm, I wouldn't regret this. Well, I'm, I'm, technically, I'm unemployable these days, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm never going to get a real job ever again. But the, <laughs> but the, um, I don't blame you. <laughs> the, uh, the, the the other sort of like benchmark for, for me for that was I was reading Felix Dennis's book, one of Felix, Felix Dennis's books. And he was given the reasons why you shouldn't, you know, go off and try and get rich, and or try and start your. Own. It, it, the book was called How to Get Rich, but it was um, it was about starting your own business, and uh, and one of the excuses were, were was you know, it's not fair on my kids, and and Felix Dennis in, in, in writing was was stabbed me in the eye with his finger and went, don't blame your kids, it's not their fault, they don't know. <laughs> they won't even yeah. care. <laughs> don't don't blame your kids for not starting your own business because you haven't got the guts to go and do it, and all this sort of like heaped on on the the fact that I knew I wanted to go and do what I'm doing now and um uh, and yeah I, I was so enamored by the fact that I, I think my last sales team that, that I was a sales director for had about 80 people in it and I, I was spending more time sort of in the sales academy moving people along and sharing knowledge and enjoying that bit and and getting and getting further and further away from the other bits of the job that, that you know if that's my favorite bit, bit of the job let's make it the whole job yeah, do you know, funny, I, I can really resonate with that. So um, sim- similarish sort of journey, albeit I was, I, I, I've always kind of run my own businesses, but I ran a marketing agency for 12 years. And then just before my se- second daughter came along, kind of realized that actually it wasn't totally fulfilling me. But the one bit I enjoyed the most out of that, and um, this was fairly recent, actually, this was only in um, 2016, I made the migration across and set up the coaching practice. But um, I remember three weeks before Sophie arrived, um, I just had a little mini breakdown. I had a team of four who were a little bit dysfunctional, probably because they were led by me, I don't know. Um, and and um, the clients were, they were good clients. They'd been with us for a long time, but it just wasn't fulfilling me. And, um, but the bit, I, one of the things we did is we innovated quite heavily and we started to introduce a lot of workshop based stuff around, you know, getting the clients in and training them and things like that. And I realized actually it was that piece, the educational piece that I enjoyed the most. And the one thing it unlocked for me was actually then, um, was then about sort of, having those really deep and meaningful conversations with clients about the future of their business. So it kind of became a natural, it was like a natural step for me to then set up, like close that business down, set up the coaching practice. Um, and, and the, the rest is kind of history. It, it, it feels to me like that it was, it was a very, fairly natural sort of progression for you to kind of um, start up Varda Cruz. Yeah, and um, I mean, sales is full of enough snake oil salesmen to to to, to, to sink a ship. I mean, there's, yep. there's too many people who are desperately just trying to rip money out of you know the, the the dead fingers of whoever they can get it off. But but on top of that, some of those people then go into sales training, and 
goodness knows there's enough snake oil salespeople in, in sales training. I, I, it's, it's that lack of wanting to help people, just getting out there, taking the money and running off. And it's an industry where um, that, that is just full of people who, 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 who sort of would rather be a rock star than a sales trainer, but this is the best opportunity they've got to get on stage. Yep. Yeah, I get it. I, I totally, <laughs> totally agree with you. And it's, it, you could say quite <laughs> and yeah, the about is, is, that. So what, what would you change? What would you do? What would you, if you could influence the, the sales industry, how would you influence it? Go out and help people. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm big, I'm big on help and happy. Go out, change selling for helping and leave the world a happier place than before they got, before they got in touch with you. Cool. That's that's a nice, nice, succinct way of doing it. And and do you, because there's also this thing about like sales, for example, same as coaching. It's an unregulated industry. Do you think that impacts the um, not just people's perceptions, but how how the well how how the whole industry is perceived? Really, do you think there's any way of ever, ever regulating the sales industry? Every every time any kind of organization tries to regulate it uh it gets taken over by somebody who tries to monetize the regulation of it and um and and, and i think I, I i just nobody's nobody's trying to regulate it for the right reasons it's um I, you started off before and you're talking about getting sales right and it being numbers and the right kind of people but um somebody asked me last week whether it was a science or an art and um, I deep, uh, my first mentor used to, he was in the music industry and he used to say everybody wants their guitar to sound like Brian May. And he said, do you know why Brian May's guitar sounds like Brian May? And I said, no, how do you do it? And he went, you get born Brian May. Yeah. <laughs> it's Brian May playing it. That's why it sounds like Brian May. I think that uh, sales is, a, is, an art, is a science in the fact that it's got a structure and there are techniques and there are tools and it's, it's, there are set procedures to follow. And then I think every individual human brings in their own art to, you know, to, to really shape that. It's just, it's just like playing a, a guitar. You, 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 the guitar, you can learn to be brilliant at guitar, just like you can be, learn to be brilliant at sales, but it's the human that, that makes the, the biggest difference. Yeah, those tiny little nuances which make it like, you know, make, make each salesperson or each person unique and individual in terms of their ability to translate what Brian May was doing into their own sort of style and you know, things like that so yeah I, I totally get it and I, I think um it's interesting I, I I actually posted about that science versus art thing the other day because I, I did a business management degree I, I qualified um graduated in 2004 mm -hmm. and uh and there was about 180 people in our sort of year group. 179 of them went out and got a Bachelor of Arts in business management. Okay. Who do you think was the one person who asked for a Bachelor of Science on their certificate? <laughs> that was me, because I was like, business is a science. You know, fundamentally, it's about, we were learning all these theories. Well, you do theories in science. Like, you, you don't do theories in art, necessarily. I might be wrong. Prove me wrong. But um, no, so you bring your own artistry to the science. That's, that's that. it. Yeah, hundred percent. So I, I'm. Um, so obviously, with with a lot of our listeners, they're going to be. You know, like I said earlier on, I kind of touched on this. So sales is kind of something which they fear, and we've talked about. You know, this process of um, understanding the perfect client avatar um, and understanding the the sort of the bleeding neck scenario which their clients are going through, and then being able to get out there and deliver value. Um, 
if there if there was kind of a i don't know a process or maybe some tips which you've got around if somebody even despite having those three great tips um somebody's still a bit fearful of sales kind of what what advice would you give them to kind of um, you know maybe get better as a salesperson or get become less fearful of it the rest of the world isn't any better at it than you are for a start it's uh, and the fact that you care that you're not good enough makes you about 80 percent better than most people who are selling me stuff already and um and, and and secondly if um if you don't get there out there and do this and help me with what you've got then someone is going to come and sell me something i don't want don't need and overcharge me for it so come and get there first and help me out lovely i love it and it's um i, I again it's it's something which i talk about an awful lot about the you know business is hard enough as it is already because there's 10 times the number of businesses as there were 10 years ago so if you're out there helping people and sh- delivering value and showing people what you can do um you're already like you said nine tenths of the way ahead of everybody else out there so um I, invaluable advice i think that is so we're kind of coming towards the end of the interview so i've got uh, two questions which i always ask people just to kind of wrap up so we'll go with the i'm going to go with the the penultimate question so um we we're going to i'm going to take you on a little journey we're going to jump into the fearless business time machine and we're going to go back uh 10 years so that would be to 2009 actually funny enough just after you've started up father cruise so um so uh you 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 meet your your the past version of yourself from 10 years ago what would be the one key piece of advice that you would give them um, <laughs> I've been thinking about this. I, practically, uh, the, the first thing I'd say to myself is, "Will you hurry up and write that bloody book and get it out <laughs> and start, stop messing about?" So, you know, it's, it, it, it's not going to. I'm on my fourth book now, and I'm thinking to myself, just the trepidation of getting the first book out was just was just crazy. But actually, um, the uh, I, I, I would say don't be afraid about getting the right advice from the right people the, 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 not everybody's trying to rip you off a snake oil there are there are some good people but you know go to go to a well that has consistently given you fresh water don't just go around trying to drink out of puddles go and go and find something and dive deep yeah and you mentioned about some of the experts you've worked with sort of perry marshall uh jim Rohn, and a few of the other sort of great um uh, mentors and coaches out there and i, I like you know, I'm a coach. You're speaking, preaching to the converted here, and I believe everybody should have a coach in order to kind of give them that. You know, ultimately, it kind of helps to speed that process up. They've been there and done it, got the T-shirt, and um, you know, we should be tapping into that advice. And actually, funny enough, the one thing which I always uh, tell tell people, the thing that I would have done more of ten years ago was actually, um, well, a a get a mentor or coach, but also. B, don't ever stop reading um, or learning because like if you think that you don't need to learn anymore then you like you're already behind the curve because there'll be somebody out there who's going to read 40 or 50 books a year and be well ahead of you and you honestly you can get onto youtube and if you can find people who will you know you can you can see whether you find them useful or helpful or not if just by watching the the world is full of free advice and one minute wonderful videos you don't know what you don't know absolutely go go, go out there and educate yourself 100% awesome so uh, it's been some amazing value in there so um if um if anybody would like to get in in touch with you um what's what's the best way chris for people to contact you uh and you is you know you mentioned about your book so this is a great opportunity just to kind of tell people about the the titles of your books we'll obviously pop links to them in the show notes as well Uh, what's best best way for people to get hold of you and how can they learn from you wonderful um well the easiest website to come and have a look at is first sales training 
not the number one st sales training first sales training.co.uk uh, and if you go on there there is a tab at the top that says free tools if you if you if you go down there there, there, there are email series to download there are um, there's, there's parts of the books there's videos fill your boots with that um, there's uh, and you can contact us through that uh, website as well the two main books of mine are selling with ease which is uh, what most of our workshops are built around and the extremely successful salesman's club which is uh, a short story it's only 90 pages dan disney from uh, the daily sales calls it his his uh, his favorite sales book ever and, and jeffrey gittimer who's a, a hero of mine gave it five stars not not too long ago so I'm, that, that made my christmas but um i, I so yeah selling with these and the extremely successful salesman's club all the free downloads you can get there uh if if you want to contact us please do so through the website i'm uh, I'm, I'm available a lot more often than, uh, than than people give me credit for well i'm going straight off to amazon to go and grab my hold of a copy of the extremely successful salesman's club because that sounds a little bit like um take your shot actually funny enough are they, are they on audiobook they, they are an audio the, the extremely successful salesman's club is on audiobook some of these coming out later this year in audiobook but uh yeah it's it's, it's a, sh- a short story based in victorian uh, england about a gentleman's club that a young man has to learn seven rules and apply them to join and uh, the ism called it the um the da vinci code for salespeople because it's a little adventure around london so just oh, amazing I, I love those sort of narrative stories so that that's my amazon my audible credit gone uh, <laughs> Bless you. that's six pound 99 dan well, not, i was about to say dan how, how rude of me no it's not at all <laughs> that will be the best 7.99 whatever that i've ever invested by the sounds of it so i think so. straight into it. <laughs> it was certainly the best 7.99 i've ever spent <laughs> brilliant and it, it was it's funny actually i uh we're going to wrap up in a second but um where you were talking about you know you've done you've got well you will have four books i always see that see that there's a magic formula for authors which is a bit like bicycles it's n plus two if you're into your cycling where yeah. n is the number of bikes you've got and, and n plus two is obviously how many you need uh, <laughs> always can never have enough books and bikes <laughs> quite so wonderful <laughs> Brill um, Chris it's been an absolute pleasure um, thank you ever so much you've um, given uh, myself and my listeners just um, a huge number of tips and value today and um, so it's been a real pleasure thank you ever so much it's my pleasure all, all the best for a great week <laughs> <laughs>